We're trying to conduct a serious scientific investigation. Science, logic, reason. Do you have any hard data? Now, that's what I call science. That's what I call science is proudly recorded in Tasmania at Edge Radio. We would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are gathering to record this episode. We recognise the ongoing contributions that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples are making to the sciences. You're listening to That's What I Call Science and this is going to be a little bit of a different episode for you because we have collaborated with the Royal Society of Tasmania for National Science Week. What have we done? Well, we have profiled four amazing women in marine science. We've produced some videos. We've created some activity sheets for the kids to do at home to make sure it's family friendly. And then we've used all of that content to also create four amazing podcast slash radio episodes. You're likely hearing this on either Edge Radio or across the nation via the community radio network. But we recorded these interviews in front of a camera with a whole media crew. So it's likely you'll be hearing things like thanks for watching instead of thanks for listening. So we hope you understand and enjoy the content. I'd like to direct you to thatsscience.org, our webpage where you can download the complimentary activity worksheets that go along with the content. They feature amazing activities by local artists from Tasmania, but also an Aboriginal artist from Kwandamuka country in Brisbane. So I'd really like it if you could hop on there and support some of the artists that have been commissioned, but also the scientists that have showcased their work. We've also tried to ensure that we're showcasing women who are actively working in marine science as well as doing research who are early in their career or a little bit more advanced I think you'll be really surprised and sometimes awed by their stories of how they've really brought to life working on water and being amongst a different setting as part of their their daily lives and being on a new frontier and how far they've traveled we wanted to show you the diversity that a science degree and a career can take you this includes amazing things like running an entire research vessel that is on water or traveling the world to see different types of animals and the experience of what that's like for months on end. I hope you enjoy listening to the content. At times I found it really awe-inspiring to listen to the stories of these women. And I hope that if you've enjoyed them, that you get in touch with us on social media, that's science, Taz, or get to our webpage, that's science.org for the worksheets. I'd like to thank the team for their efforts. This is a, a new time where they've stepped up doing a different type of media using video. And they've really jumped at the challenge for that's what I call science taking on National Science Week in collaboration with the Royal Society of Tasmania. I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are gathering today. Palawa people. Today we are meeting across Lucharuita or Tasmania and we have an audience tuning in from various locations online. So I would also like to pay my respects to, to the traditional owners of the land on which you are all listening. On behalf of everyone, I would like to pay my respects to elders past and present as well as the Tasmanian Aboriginal community who continue to care for country. I recognise a history of truth which acknowledges the impacts of invasion and colonisation upon Aboriginal people, resulting in their forcible removal from their lands. I stand for a future that profoundly respects and acknowledges Aboriginal perspectives, culture, language and history, and a continued effort to fight for Aboriginal justice and rights, paving the way for a strong future. G'day, it's Dr Carl here, and it won't come as any surprise to you that I was a bit of a curious kid. I was always asking my parents questions like, why do people think that the earth is flat, and how can flies walk on the ceiling? 
only by asking questions, by being curious. Only that way can we get answers which then give us knowledge. Find your answers during National Science Week at scienceweek.net.au. Hi and welcome to Working on Water, a collaborative project between That's What I Call Science and the Royal Society of Tasmania for National Science Week 2020. My name is Hannah McCleary and I'm joined by Mibu Fisher, an early career researcher at CSIRO's Oceans and Atmosphere Tropical Coasts team. As part of our Science Week event, we are featuring four women working in marine science. I'll be talking with Mibu about her journey in marine science and her experiences as an Indigenous woman working in STEM. Thanks for joining me, Mibu. So your role at CSIRO is as a marine ethnoecologist. Um, so can you explain what that actually involves for people who might be unaware, like myself? Yes, yeah, so um, a marine ethnoecologist is basically somebody who um, studies the marine domain, coasts and oceans, but specifically looks at the linkages between cultures and the environment. So I look at Indigenous cultures and um, what their links are with the coasts and oceans. Awesome. Um, so what does a normal day look like for you at work? Oh, a normal day at work for me is um, pretty boring, <laughs> sitting at a desk, um, doing lots of meetings and um, reading papers. Um, but the parts that I like the most about my job are when I'm out in the field and doing workshops with communities. So I actually get to engage with community groups and know their stories and their history. And, and yeah, that's the part I like the most. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, so I know you have a specific interest in actually strengthening partnerships between um, Western and Indigenous knowledge systems. So do you want to sort of let us know why you think that is so important, not just to yourself, but for Australia in general to sort of strengthen those connections? Yeah, so from my perspective, um, and this can get a little bit philosophical, but we kind of have two different worldviews. So we have an Indigenous worldview, which is more holistic, and then we have a Western worldview, which kind of looks at things from a top-down approach, really hierarchical. Um, and so I think it's really important to be able to merge the two together because without doing that, I don't think we'll be able to move forward sustainably because um, the Indigenous worldview really was and continues to be a very sustainable model. And um, unfortunately, due to colonisation and a lot of other things, that model has been left aside, even though people are still practising it. It's not within the mainstream system and it's not supported by a lot of governance um, around the world. Mm. So that's why I think it's important. Yeah, it really is. Um, so maybe can you give us an example of some of these um, sustainable practices that have been lost that we're actually trying to bring back? Um, yeah, okay. So um, one of the really big examples not related to the marine area is fire management. And because of the bushfires um, in Australia at the start of the year and the end of last year, there's been a huge push for integrating Indigenous fire management into our Western systems. And finding those specific management practices along the coast and oceans has been quite difficult because the coastal areas around Australia are very populated and so a lot of communities were pushed off country. Um, however, those practices are still there and they're still known by community members, but it's re-establishing that trust between Indigenous people and science and management as well and um, being able to actually work together to, to do that. Um, there is examples overseas where um, this has happened in Canada. So in Canada, they've actually been able to work with 17 First Nations groups 
with the government and the government has specifically done that in mind to use their traditional knowledges and practices to incorporate it into the marine management plan. And so we're hoping that that type of um, management strategy will be able to be seen in Australia. But the differences here are our governance structure and how that can work. And it also differs to the way people work in New Zealand because they have a treaty and we don't have that here in Australia. And so all, even though there's international examples of this happening, um, it doesn't exactly translocate into the Australian context that easily. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so there is an example in Western Australia where the traditional dugong and turtle management um, has been utilised with CSIRO scientists. And so the CSIRO scientists work with the traditional owners to do dugong and turtle um, monitoring surveys because the traditional owners know the habitat and the patterns of these animals and where they're located and what their um, historic numbers have been. And so, yeah, they work with CSIRO scientists to, to do that, to monitor it for the future. Yeah, that sounds great. I think yeah. it's really important to sort of look to other countries and see how well they've, you know, implemented um, their um, ideas and how they've been able to communicate with their Indigenous populations like New Zealand and like Canada. I think we can learn some really valuable things. Yeah. G'day, this is Steve Liddell from Street Science, and I love to blow things up. I'm not talking about balloons. Finding out how stuff interacts is one of the many fun things about science, whether it's making slime, some hot ice, or even launching a rocket. With science, there's no limits. You can learn, create, and experiment anywhere you like. Wherever you might be, National Science Week has something for you. Find out how you can get involved at scienceweek.net.au. So what factors do you think actually make it difficult to implement Indigenous knowledge systems um, here in Australia, you know, that are different um, to what's going on in Canada or what's going on in New Zealand? Yeah. Um, so I would say it's not only different to what's happened in Canada or New Zealand, but the biggest barrier would be around colonisation, globalisation and agency. Um, so agency is in the ability for people to enact change um, within their communities. Um, the remoteness of a lot of these communities and the misunderstandings and mistrust um, between Indigenous and non-Indigenous people in Australia. And unfortunately, um, the continued racist culture within Australia um, also would play a big factor in that. Um, and it's just unfortunately ignorance and that our schooling system has failed um, ourselves and others in better understanding the true meaning of Indigenous knowledge and how that can contribute to everybody in Australia as a public's good service. Mm, exactly, and how important it is as well. I think that's really, um, you know, misunderrepresented in our education system. Definitely. Um, so, Mibu, how did you start your career at CSIRO? So I started my career at CSIRO um, in my second year of uni and um, I did a cadetship program, which meant that CSIRO paid for me to go to university and then in the school holidays, I would work for three months um, at CSIRO in Queensland and um, got some work experience. 
and I just kind of hung around with them until they made me permanent. <laughs> yeah, I've got experience with the cadetship program as well. I'm currently um, doing that here in Hobart. Um, and it is a really, really valuable program, you know, to give students that um, hands-on, you know, industry experience while they're still studying at university and being supported in that way. So yeah. um, I think it's a really valuable opportunity and I don't think opportunities are, um, you know, given enough exposure um, for students. Um, and I don't think enough students are aware of these opportunities, so it's really important to sort of, you know, spread the word of those. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so actually, as part of your work at CSIRO, um, you were able to take part in a voyage on the Research Vessel Investigator. Um, do you want to tell us a bit about that experience? Um, so as part of your work at CSIRO, you were lucky enough to um, get a spot on a research voyage on the Investigator, which is really exciting. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about that voyage? Yeah, so um, in October 2019, I did a transit voyage from Brisbane up the coast across to Darwin. And as part of that voyage, uh, my role was as part of the Office of Indigenous Engagement. And so I was really there as someone to look and see where the Marine National Facility, the, the group who looks after the RV investigator and um, identify opportunities where they can improve in their Indigenous engagement or in things towards implementing CSIRO's Reconciliation Action Plan. Um, and so I did that, but at the same time, I also got to do some cool science stuff, which was great. Awesome. Um, what were a few projects that you did on board? Uh, one of the most interesting projects on the voyage was with Geosciences Australia and Australian Marine Parks. And they were looking at the seafloor in the Wessel Island Marine Park. And part of that footage actually picked up a sacred site, which used to be a billabong before the sea level rose. Wow, that's amazing. It was really cool. And then when we got to Darwin, um, another colleague from Australian Marine Parks and I actually went and met with traditional owners to get their permission to use that footage mm -hmm. because it was a sacred site. And even though we're not allowed to know the story behind that, showing them that footage and seeing their reaction was a really special moment. Yeah, that's great. G'day, it's Costa here. Did you know that when you smell a fragrant flower, you might actually be smelling its reproductive organs? And that some plants can be female one day and male the next? And did you also know that plants reproduce from a distance and sometimes use us to do it? Fascinating stuff. This National Science Week, discover what our promiscuous plant friends are getting up to in your backyard. Just Google National Science Week. So do you want to explain a little bit for some people who might not be aware um, why um, we can't um, know the story behind it and why it's important to have those protocols and, you know, respecting um, communities and yeah. that sort of thing? Yeah, so um, in this particular community, a sacred site, um, there's different, well, not just that community, but in a lot of communities, there's different layers of knowledge. And as you move up in your age or as you become initiated, there's all different levels of initi initiation and that's what determines who's allowed to know what about specific areas in nature. Mm -hmm. And it just so happens that this location is one where you have to be quite highly initiated, an elder, to actually know um, the stories behind that place or even have been to that place. And um, the, the people that we visited in Darwin who were from Wessel Island, they actually had a recorded story and I didn't hear it, but they told us that her father had actually recorded a, a story of that site that they keep f 
for those people who are allowed to know. Yeah. So it was really special. Yeah, that's incredible. Have there been any obstacles that you have had to overcome as an Indigenous young woman um, in the marine research field? Yes. <laughs> um, so I would say the general ones that many women can associate with um, in being in science and in marine science, it's it's a little bit better than other areas. There's a, a few more women around who you can use as support systems, um, but you're still in that male-dominated mm -hmm. space. And then as an Indigenous woman, um, there's an extra layer almost around cultural integrity mm -hmm. um, where, where the community, because they know you're an Indigenous woman, they kind of expect a little bit more from mm -hmm. you. Um, which puts a lot of pressure on yourself, as yeah. you may come to yeah, realise. definitely a big responsibility there. <laughs> yeah, and I also find um, because there's so few of us, we're always getting called upon to mm -hmm. to do things yeah. at the corporate level or, or trying to talk against governance structures and things like that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's hard to do just science if you're passionate also about trying to change the system because you do kind of get pulled in all different directions. Yeah, but it, it is important in the long run. Yeah. yeah. Um, so do you have any advice for our non-Indigenous colleagues and peers on how they can actually support us as Indigenous women um, in the STEM fields? Yeah. So I think I would start by saying educate yourself and there's a easily Googleable, is that a word? <laughs> I'm, I'm using it as a word. Um, you just type in, you know, Indigenous knowledge, Indigenous yeah. science, start with Darky News, start yeah. with Growing Up Aboriginal in Australia by Anid Heiss. Um, there's a yeah. lot of resources out there. And kind of as difficult as this might be to say, stop asking us questions, mm -hmm. because you can Google a lot of those answers. For the questions that you obviously can't google that's fine <laughs> but um it just adds the, to that that drain yeah. and, and always constantly being asked questions and taking away from our actual work mm -hmm. but i also think it's really important to also start to question yourself when you're doing projects mm -hmm. and questioning do i need somebody who's indigenous on this project should it be co-led by an indigenous person um who are the indigenous people in the area that my project's in do i need to contact them and not always go to the only Indigenous person in your team. There are other people who are non-Indigenous that work in this space who are more than happy to share their experiences. It's just finding those community of practice, which exist. CSIRO has a lot of community of practices when working with Indigenous engagement in Australia. In being an ally, there's like moments when you have to be silent and allow those minority voices to come through, but then you also need to make sure that when you have to have a voice because their voice is not going to be heard, mm -hmm. then you need to have it. And yeah. often it's the times when you're going to change the system. Whether you live near the coast or inland, the world's oceans still produce some of your food and influence your weather. I'm Professor Emma Johnston, and as a marine ecologist, I study how the oceans and humans interact. It's like working in a giant underwater science lab. This National Science Week, discover more about the fascinating world around us by diving into one of hundreds of online events at Science Week 
www.indigenousmoms.net.au. So being an Indigenous woman myself, um, I am part of the first generation in my family to actually attend university, um, which has been a really insane and sort of isolating but also exciting experience at the same time. Um, and this is actually the case for a lot of my Indigenous peers at university. Um, so I know that this is the case for you in that you're the first Indigenous woman in your family to go to university. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that experience and, um, you know, how you found that? Yeah. So I didn't know I was going to do marine science at university. I thought I was going to be a police officer and go and do a human services and justice degree and changed my my um, application last minute and moved away from home interstate to go to university. And as the first Indigenous person in my family to go to university, it was quite daunting. Um, no one was really able to relate to my experience. And, and even now I don't have any other um, family members who have been to university or desire to go to university. So I do relate to you when you're saying it's an isolating experience. Mm -hmm. But it's great because you also get to meet other passionate Indigenous women and young men who, who want to work in academia mm -hmm. and understand the Western science system as well as the traditional system if they grew up in their community. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's really exciting. I know that, um, like you said, you wanted to be a police officer. I actually wanted to be um, a paramedic when I started, so it's crazy <laughs> the directions that you're going. But um, I don't know about you, but for myself, I'm super happy with where I'm at, and I think that I completely made the right decision. Oh, me too. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, as for the future of your career, what are you most excited about? Um, you know, opportunities coming up or things that might be um, on the horizon in the future? Yeah. So. Well, once COVID passes, um, I'll be excited to um, getting out and doing some more workshops again. Um, we have the potential to do some trans-Tasman, so with New Zealand um, Indigenous work, and also um, hopefully looking into the future, getting to work with some colleagues that I met at the end of last year from Canada and Taiwan and um, Finland and Greenland. So we wrote a paper actually um, for a Future Seas 2030 project mm -hmm. and um, I led the Indigenous chapter which really gave a voice to Indigenous communities worldwide in how they're impacted by climate change mm -hmm. um, because a lot of the time those voices aren't given a space in academia and um, this was a really great opportunity for that to happen. And we also were able to give some recommendations on how we think um, moving towards a more Indigenous worldview will help towards sustainability into mm -hmm. the future. Um, so I'm looking forward on um, growing that work yeah. and getting to know more about what Indigenous communities have done in the past and how that can help us now and into the future. Yeah, that sounds really exciting. T20 100, and it's a sublime knock from Elisa Healy. Hi, I'm Elisa Healy. You might know that I play for the Australian women's cricket team, but you might not know that I've also studied marine biology. While it's exciting to whack on the baggy green and get out on the field, putting on some scuba gear and getting out in the field is just as exciting. This National Science Week, discover just how exciting science can be by getting involved in one of the hundreds of online events at scienceweek.net.au.
Um, can you tell us a little bit more about the workshops that you do with Indigenous communities and how that works and um, that sort of thing? Yeah, so depending on the aim of the project, um, we might get fishermen in the room or we might get elders in the room and um, we just talk most of the time about what they'd like to see. So it's kind of like almost future scenario building workshops and um, you have to be really careful around what information you collect from them around you know, Indigenous cultural and intellectual property rights. Um, but that information can then be mapped and then given back to the community to help them in the decision-making process around what's going to happen in their area. So um, in Papua New Guinea, when I was over there a few years ago now, we did like participatory mapping. So we brought in maps from our Western science world and said, These, this is where your, um, the land where your economy is, this is the land where you value, this is the land where this happens. And we kind of merged them all together and they used these maps to say, oh, okay, so we need to put this here, we need to put that there. And it was, it's all a very hands-on verbal experience. Yeah, that's amazing. I think yeah. it's really important to have um, Indigenous people like yourself um, on the teams that do that sort of work. You know, because um, for many people in community, it can be sort of difficult to understand um, and to sort of, you know, have. Um, it can be. Sort I know of, what you mean, yeah. and and it's it's difficult to acknowledge it sometimes when you do go into a meeting or a workshop and they find out that there's an indigenous person on the team and there's just that instant connection because yeah. you don't, you know that understanding with each other, that you don't have to explain about history or any of those things because there's just that innate understanding of what you've been through as a people and it makes it much easier. And it doesn't matter what country you're in because mm -hmm. I've had that experience in the Solomon Islands, PNG with people from Canada, Finland, Taiwan, yeah, yeah. Greenland, it's, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So just to wrap up, do you have any advice um, that you would give to young Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander students who are considering pursuing study or even a career um, in the marine science field? Yeah. So the biggest thing that I would say, even if it's not marine science, study what you want to learn about because I definitely wouldn't have finished uni if I did human services and justice <laughs> and um, I'm still into marine science now yeah. and that was 10 years ago that I graduated mm -hmm. um, and just don't listen to what others are doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just do what you want to do. Yeah, exactly. Having that passion sort of um, really drives people and I think that that's one of the most important things to have. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Working on Water, a collaborative project between That's What I Call Science and the Royal Society of Tasmania as part of National Science Week 2020. For more information about That's What I Call Science or the Royal Society of Tasmania, head to their website or social media channels using the links provided in the episode description. You've been listening to That's What I Call Science, brought to your station and across the nation via the Community Radio Network. You can find That's What I Call Science at all major podcast streaming services and social media platforms. Like and subscribe for on-demand science updates from the team. That's What I Call Science is proudly recorded in Tasmania at Edge Radio. Head to edgeradio.org.au for more information on how you can support community radio. GemMaker are a proud sponsor of That's What I Call Science. GemMaker provide expert advice, services and training to commercialise new knowledge and technologies. Go to gemmaker.com.au for more information.